Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We've been out of the pocket, off the <laughs> saddle, out of the saddle. I don't know what the we saying is. We've just fallen off the whole wagon. Yeah, we just, uh, we haven't, uh, <laughs> we have been uh, nowhere to be found. I don't think the CIA could have no. even found us. We've hidden well. Yes. We've hidden very well. In fact, I... I, I think nobody's finding us anymore. Yeah, but here we are. <laughs> but here we are. Back talking about politics, culture, current events from a biblical perspective. So this is the first show we've tried. Uh, I, I've been in session uh, in Charleston <clears throat> as a legislator for the last two months, and our plan was to make it happen somehow. And uh, did we even do – I think we did one show. We did one show. Yeah, so so we did one show <laughs> in the last two months. And um, so, anyway, we're back, and just glad to be back, knocking the rust off. And uh, uh, so we've been playing a lot of reruns during that show, Best Of Shows. And we probably peaked at some point anyway, so it's probably just get around those reruns. <laughs> just be fine. There you go. All right. But uh, we had um, we had uh, a lot of exciting things happen, happen in Charleston. And uh, we're going to talk about one of two of those coming up. But uh, uh, so here at Fellowship Baptist, where you are pastor, uh, you had Upward Sports, which is a great little program here. And uh, uh, parents come, watch their kids, hear the gospel on the what the mm-hmm. last uh, – you have a, like a, a banquet of sorts, and you preach the yeah. gospel to everybody. Yeah, and we had people trust Christ. It was it was really amazing. And, you know, we're coming out of this whole COVID lockdown, you know, situation. It's really the first season for basketball, especially since COVID hit, that we've we've been able to have a full season yes. of, of that sport. And, and, man, I'm telling you, parents in the Mid-Ohio Valley just – responded big time Uh, we blew all of our previous numbers out of the water as far as Mm. uh, participation and it was a great season god really blessed we had great leadership uh, with the program and uh, it's really neat to see people get back to life again and this was i think a really big indicator that people were done being locked away and they're ready to re-engage yeah get me out of here get me out of here get back to living life and uh that's just kind of that's kind of been the way way it's been. I think everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was down in, uh, like I said, we had session in Charleston, and and uh, the masks by the end of the session anyway, the masks were all but gone. Mm-hmm. People weren't wearing them anymore, and uh, uh, so so anyway, uh, it's it's a universal thing. I think people are just tired. Yeah. Hey, look, look, uh, and, and it's a freedom thing too. Look, uh, who is the government to tell me to mm. wear a, a mask and to get a vaccine? And, and people have different uh, opinions on that, and that's and that's fine. But uh, in my opinion, the government uh, the government doesn't have a place in in uh, a Fifth Amendment right to tell us mm. to do that. We have life, liberty, and property according to the Fifth Amendment. Life liberty and mm. property 
unless we do something wrong, unless right. we commit a crime, and uh, we have those freedoms. So, uh, the, and which brings me to uh, we were talking before we came on the air about uh, just kind of a, a dramatic event at the end of our session on Saturday. So the Constitution says we have to go to midnight Saturday uh, after 60 days of session. And I don't know that it says it has to be on a Saturday, but it might. I don't know. But nonetheless, for uh, years and years in West, in Charleston, the, two, the 60-day session has ended on a Saturday at midnight. Hmm. So here we are. And everybody turns into a pumpkin. <laughs> everyone <laughs> everyone uh, looks like uh, death warmed over. <laughs> everyone is ready for it to be over that at that time. But it's also, you're, sit, you're sitting there watching your bills come back over um, from, uh, you know, we, we send, we, we uh, pass bills out of the Senate send them to the House, and the House does the same thing, passes their bills, sends them over to us. And if there's any change in the bill, it has to be sent back over. So mm-hmm. we had three bills. These are Let's just talk about these three important ones right now. One uh, was a pro-life bill. Mm-hmm. One was a uh, uh, saying that you don't have to have a vaccine passport. Mm-hmm. And the other was a critical race theory bill. So these are important to us conservatives down there, and they, these three, I think all three of them came out of the Senate. We passed them out, went over to the House, and the House made some changes, some bad changes on several of them, but there was, you know, they still had their essentials to them, and they came back to the Senate at about, all three of them and others, at about eight minutes till midnight. So we had eight minutes... To pass these bills, and, and these Cue are the Mission Impossible music. <laughs> <laughs> we have that in here somewhere. We've got to get this through. <laughs> so, uh, and, and that's about what it was because there's there, there's certain protocols you have to do with each bill in terms of the you know being introduced and letting people speak to it, and then you vote, and then um, you know so on. So that takes all all of that takes at least a, a minimalist amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so all the opposing forces are standing up wanting to speak to the bill to kill time. And there's a, a procedure called calling the previous question that that you can – anyone can do at any time of in any committee or on the floor, whatever. Calling the previous question means let's vote on whether to debate this bill anymore. So – we had our uh, finance chairman stand up on three bills immediately and call the previous question. The other side is going insane, yelling, screaming, but calling the previous question means we're voting now because we got to get to it. So we called the previous question on the abortion bill. It passed, which protects uh, babies that are, there's something wrong with them. And you, it says that you can't abort your baby if, if just because you find something mm. wrong with the baby, whether it's a mong- mongoloid or whatever. Um, and then uh, the the uh, vaccine passports bill, uh, which basically bans them except for hospitals, which is a big deal, but is, which is a lot. And unfortunately, we couldn't get that. Some of it is because of a federal law, but um, but it, it's a, still a good bill. And the vaccine passport bill passed. Hmm. Okay, so those two got through. The abortion bill, the vaccine passport bill, passed. Then we've got two minutes left, and the critical race theory bill comes up, which basically says, it doesn't even mention critical race theory, but it says you can't 
you can't teach things based on race and 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 uh, that type of thing. Um, and we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum on the show. Uh, so here it comes, and I'm looking at the clock on my computer. It says 11:58. <laughs> we've got two minutes to introduce the bill, go through the whole protocol that the president has to do. Uh, cut off debate, call the previous question, cut off debate, and here we go. We start to roll. I'm looking at the clock on my computer, which has to be some clock in, what, some country that <laughs> the whole world goes by, right? right? This is the on. clock. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't, uh, you're the official timekeeper. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, you know, it's like, it's like your phone. That's the time. That's it. So, so, uh, I'm looking at the clock and, um. So it started, you know, the president starts to introduce the bill, starts into the protocol, 11, uh, 11.58, then 11.59, and then uh, everyone starts jump, jumping up, yelling. Our, our, our guy calls the previous question, and yeah, you have to vote on that. It's not debatable, but it, you have to vote on the previous question. That passes. Then uh, we go to the vote. <laughs> I'm dying, staring at my computer. And uh, we made it. The vote. The vote made it before 12 o'clock a.m. <laughs> it made it. But? But uh, apparently the whole the whole uh, protocol that the president has to say, there's certain things he has to say, apparently that took six seconds longer than midnight when the bill didn't, the bill didn't make it. So That's our, crazy. You know, that's always fascinated me about that whole process and infuriated me at the same time is – how much you have to go through as far as hoops you have to jump through uh, to even see a, a bill formulated in the first yeah. place, let alone get to the floor for a vote, and then have to get voted on in a timely manner where it even makes makes it a, a, a law. Yes, it makes you want to uh, jump out of the nearest <laughs> window. So we were, uh, just to put it in perspective, because that's a good point you make, that uh, how many bills are introduced in a session? Well, uh, this last session that we just finished, over two thousand. Wow! How many? How many of those passed? Um, just over two hundred. So I think it was like thirteen percent of the bills. Hmm. So a lot of the bills folks introduce, they know they're not going to get. You know, I introduced several. I knew that nothing was going to happen. I just want to make a point. So those bills, there's those bills, but there's also a lot of bills that. Uh, are heartbreakers like the critical race theory that don't make it. But at the same time, there's a lot of bills that aren't good, like uh, we killed a marijuana bill, um, and that didn't make it either. So a lot of bad bills don't make it also. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that is the long and short of it and um, uh, the whole drama of that midnight <laughs> <laughs> the midnight hour with those three bills is described pretty Pretty, um, pretty well. In the uh, Metro News had a, had an article on it, so it's it's cool. Um, it's just uh, you know, like you said, you worked that whole two months to get a bill like the critical race theory bill that's so important. And I think people just don't understand mm-hmm. it. They don't want to be called a racist. They think they'll be called a racist, and it's not about that. It's 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 the opposite of that mm-hmm. and, and that's why the bill is actually called the anti-racist bill because you can't uh, you know you're not allowed to teach things according to people's mm-hmm. race one race is better than another and you're you're racist if you're a certain race and all that and that's being taught in schools all across the country and 
one of the arguments that the other side was making is, look, there's, it's not being taught in West Virginia. Well, I think it is, A, and I think I have good evidence that it is, B, even if it's not, you know, there's you a, don't such, want it seeping you don't in. Want it. Look, it, that happened in in Virginia. It happens in other places that you think, well, you know, maybe it won't be as strong. But if it doesn't, if you don't put up the guardrails, it'll go off the rails real yeah. quick. There's something called preventive maintenance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we prevent right. things. Yeah. And uh, one one guy got up and said, "Well, it's only only uh, five states passed a bill," and um, so I I got up and said, "Well, twenty five states." After last session, not this last one, but the, but the 21 session, uh, 25 states introduced a bill to get rid of it. And it's, you know, my point on the, my speech on the floor was, um, look, we're dealing with Marxism here. Mm-hmm. This is something that has its roots in Marxism, in Karl Marx, who was the devil that created Marxism and uh, over, you know, maybe almost 150 million people slaughtered or starved to death um, as a result mm-hmm. of this devilish philosophy called communism. And, and I like how you're calling it a devilish philosophy because, you know, it, it mirrors exactly what Scripture says about calling evil good and good evil. And it's amazing how the devil in his deception will flip something. Like you were saying, it's exactly the opposite of what it is. Critical race theory at its whole, as it, at its heart, is racist itself. We've talked about this, as you said, multiple times it, on the show. It is, right. But that's the devil's tactic, to call evil good and good evil. Mm-hmm. So that good people, you know, I, I think... I, I wish we could get back to our moral moorings as a, as a nation again, where we could really stand up and not be pushed around by the peer pressure of, of society and culture. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to talk in the second session about, you know, n- not running after just the newest flavor of something to stand for without mm-hmm. without vetting it a little bit first, because we see just people running to whatever the popular uh, virtue signaling is of that day. Mm-hmm. And we see that virtue signaling is not dying. It's ramping up more and more and more. And this virtue signaling combined with this calling evil good and good evil, I think has a lot of who would otherwise be maybe good people with, with good intentions scrambling to try to figure out where they're at moralistically on things yes. anymore. And, and it's because of the death of objective truth. Yes. truth. Yes. If you don't understand and believe objective truth, right. then you're going to be you're going to be tossed about, as the Bible says, yep. by the winds and waves and so on. And we're going to talk about that maybe in third or fourth uh, segment. Um, and we've talked about this before. This may even be a rehash, but 43% of millennials don't know, care, or believe God exists. Mm, yeah. So we'll talk about that in the third or fourth segment. But next segment, we're going to talk um, some about what you talked about and uh, maybe some Ru- Russia and Ukraine stuff. But uh, we'll get into that. I just want, before the segment's over, I'll, this is what I was telling you about before we got on the air, Pastor. Um, this is a great Great little story. West Virginia revival, a quote-unquote phenomenon as youth being saved and baptized by the hundreds. Wow. So this is something that I heard about during session, and uh, I, you know, I, I always set aside stories that I'm going to use on the air, but we didn't get to get together. But this is a story from uh, Charisma News. They, I don't know where they're out of. I, I read a lot of their stuff. But uh, so... 
this says, for those believers who have lost all faith in the younger generation, and we're going to give some reasons to do to lose that faith <laughs> in a minute, uh, you need to be tuned in to what is going on in the Huntington, West Virginia area right now. As the catalyst, a guy named Nick Walker, who has Nick Walker Ministries, N-I-K, is helping to stir up a revival in one area of that state that has not only the locals brimming with excitement, but also has many throughout the country a buzzing as people are being saved, baptized into the kingdom of Jesus by the hundreds. So this is Huntington, Cabell County, which is much like Wood County in terms of just the, uh, to use an overused word, uh, systemic drug abuse mm. all throughout the county. It's worse than Wood County even. Mm. And um, uh, so this this guy is is um, I forget where he's from. Uh, he's come into to uh, Huntington, and uh, hundreds of these kids, apparently uh, more than three hundred high school and middle school students have given their lives over to Jesus Christ in the three weeks since he arrived. So this story is from. Um, February twenty, February 9th, so that's a month ago, and I assume he's mo- uh, moved on since then. But 300 kids saved and uh, 500 baptisms. They had uh, a teach. one teacher took her class to the revival. Wow. She got in trouble. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we don't, want, uh, we don't want our kids to learn about God. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I remember the story of the— uh, Rochester's, you know the singing group mm-hmm. family. So yeah. the daddy, I, I assume he's still living. He may not be, but um, I, I heard him give his testimony once, and he said that he got saved back. It was either pre or post World War II, right around that time, because his teacher took took him to a local revival. Hmm. That was uncommon or and uncontroversial sure. back then. Yeah. Now it's not now. Obviously, things have changed. But so we got a little revival that happened down in Huntington, and folks got saved. There was a re- revival uh, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Burlington, uh, the Burlington revival. I well, it was West. Vir- oh, was it no? West- was it? Was it? It was. Yeah. It was a West Virginia preacher. Yes. Down in uh, yep. a Burlington. Was that mm-hmm. the, the town? Mm-hmm. And CT. Townsend. Townsend. There mm-hmm. you go. Do you know him? Or yeah. have you? Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't you sorry? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but he, it was so exciting to watch every night. You know, God just, man, boom, did something. Mm-hmm. And he's, I think he's pastor in a big church now. I think he took over a big church. That was, yeah, in Georgia. Oh, in Georgia? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know more about him than I. All right, so one last thing before this segment's over. Um, Trump's Truth Social... Uh, media, what do you call it? Social media, not Facebook. It's an alternative to Facebook. Hmm. So he started a thing. I haven't joined it yet, but uh, I hate Facebook, <laughs> and I'm addicted to it, but I admit. But Trump's Truth Social is what it's called. Skyrockets on day one. So this was February 22nd. Um, waiting list. It's like his rallies. They have a right. waiting. Right. <laughs> you have to wait. Yeah. So they have a waiting list of four hundred thousand people. Wow. So I'm going to wait a while to uh, jump over there. The, I've tried these other social media. They're just they, well, wasn't they're there not a user friendly or something yeah. that they're was not really user a big friendly deal. Is a yeah. problem. They're hard to figure out, and uh, so you got to uh, 
uh, persistence, and I don't, so I stay on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We're going to talk some Russia and Ukraine when we get back, and uh, um, we might pop up uh, one of these other articles on millennials and which direction they're going. You're listening to The Voice of Truth. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to The Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey. I almost forgot your name. I haven't seen you. It's, all, I've been, it's right there on the name I've, tag. I've back slidden. <laughs> um, all right, so we're having fun again. We've been out of the seat for, golly, weeks, and um, we both enjoy it. It's just, you know, uh, it's hard to do a, a radio show if you're just kind of you know, we don't. Well, we've got other things we do too. Yes, I mean, this is. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but we don't get paid for this. This is like. <laughs> but we love it, so yeah, we do it. It's good, and um, uh, we just, uh, you know, I, I know, I know, I am, and I know you are too. We're just thankful, just for the opportunity to be on the a microphone, and uh, that's a blessing. Sure, and, somebody, and and we can't tell the the folks who listen how much we appreciate that too. I mean, that's. Great that you would tune in and, and hear what we have to say, and we hope it's a, a help and a blessing to you in yeah, some small our way. our listeners, we love we love you folks. Somebody posted on a uh, um, a signal group, I don't know, 150 people on it or so. Um, someone posted our podcast and hmm. said, listen, listen to this. And um, uh, so there's people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can run into them. Yeah, they're out there. <laughs> All right, so 43% of millennials, quote, unquote, don't know, care, or believe God exists. Hmm. That's a scary thing, yeah. you know, to say, to get a call. Barna Group is who does this, and Barna is a, a Christian, great guy. But, you know, to, however they survey and say, look, I don't know, I don't care, I don't believe God exists. And 43% of millennials, millennials, so <clears throat> these are all kind of fluid, These how they define these different generations, but we're talking about 1984 birth to 2002. Mm-hmm. So my old, I don't know if any of your kids fit in there probably, but my yeah. oldest is, I uh, was born in 01. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's a millennial. He, uh, he believes in God. He's, uh, he's uh, uh, not one of these, thankfully. Um, but anyway, let's just dig into this yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. It's and fascinating. Then we're going to, uh, then we'll, we'll segue a little bit into Russia and Ukraine. We don't claim to be experts, but we can have an opinion. Uh, even if we don't know anything about it, that's what the left does all the time. So um, that was a joke. You were on your phone. You know, <laughs> Wait, you. say it thank again. <laughs> Somebody was texting me <laughs> no, that I had I'm, to get back I'm to. I'm bitter <laughs> now. I'm going to keep going. All right, I'm I, hope, I hope the listeners were laughing. They were. You can't hear uh, them. They, so it's... Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get emails of laughter. A massive generational change has occurred in America, and we're feeling the effects of this upheaval. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is a Ken Ham article, Answers in Genesis. I've been warning that this this is coming for decades, and it's certainly here, and with no signs, it's slowing down. What do I mean? Well, consider results of the American Worldview Inventory 2021. So this is last year's 
inventory. A survey conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Did you know there was an Arizona? You did not. Mm-hmm. Well, you lived in Arizona. Yep. It perfectly highlights this sad generational shift. So, according to this new survey, a shocking 43% of American millennials, 1984 to 2002, identified in this survey as those born uh, uh, of those years, quote-unquote, don't know, care, or believe God exists. Wow. It's chilling. Less than half, 48%, hold to the golden rule. So 52% don't believe in the golden rule, do unto others, as which would fix 90% of the problems <laughs> in our public schools. Uh, and elsewhere antifa would if the if we did the golden rule antifa would be gone blm would be gone marxism would be gone critical race theory would be gone 100 percent. if we just did that one golden rule while nearly four in ten give the green light to revenge saying revenge is okay it's okay to get back jesus didn't say that no did he no he didn't no um, and the golden rule takes care of revenge, it does. too. And it takes care, the Bible says, of all the rest of the law. Yes. It's summed up <laughs> I mean, in this. Do what others you would have. Yes. You're um, not murdering. You're not uh, coveting. You're not doing any of the other stuff if you're loving God first yes. and loving your neighbor as yourself. I use that. I use the golden rule uh, example in, in gambling, too, because how do you sit across <laughs> the table playing poker with somebody whose money you want to take? <laughs> That's hard to take the golden rule. Uh, so these are all, Ken Ham says, sharp contrast to those held by previous generations, which would be mine and yours mm-hmm. also. So what's the dominant worldview of the younger generations? Dr. Barna, George Barna. He comes to, uh, by the way, he's there about every year at <clears throat> the um, uh, uh, Wall Builders Conferences mm-hmm. with uh, David Barton in Texas that I go to about every other year. And he's so good because he gives all this information, boom, 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 one after another. And he gives out information like this. So what is the dominant worldview of the younger generations? Dr. George Borna, the respected researcher behind this new survey, says... The dominant worldview of our day is called syncretism, a blend of a variety of religions and beliefs. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a cornucopia. It's designer truth, essentially. (laughs) Leaning heavily on the worldview of moral therapeutic deism. So we won't Mm -hmm. get into the weeds here. but So here's how Ken Ham summarizes this um, moral therapeutic deism that the millennials are embracing millennials 1984 to 2002 god remains distant from people's lives is the first one people are supposed to be good to each other that is moral is the second one the universal purpose of life is being happy and feeling good about oneself it's what's taught uh, yes. There are no absolute moral truths. That's what's taught as well. Yes. Good, uh, God allows good people into heaven, and God places limited demands on people. So this is all what's being taught. So it's not, you know, the, the last two there where you're talking about good people go to heaven. That's what's being taught overall in church. I mean, really. Yes. I mean, you, you don't hear real solid teaching a lot of times about sin and repentance and you know, the death of Christ and, and what that, you know, 
means to all of that. You, you taught, you're basically taught, hey, live your best life now, do good things, yes. think good thoughts, and, and you're going to be a good person. You're going to go to heaven. Yes. So all of these, all these points you read, is what is being taught to our kids, and then we stand back and we gasp and we think, wow, it's forty. 43% of our, our millennials don't don't care, believe, value the idea of God. I mean, I don't know why we're so shocked by that. It's what's, it's what's being taught. We shouldn't be shocked by it. You're right. Um, uh, I was just thinking, the Great Awakening, which was prior to the American Revolution, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, as I understand it, it gave birth. It was the midwife of the, the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. But, but the Great Awakening was started— Many say by a sermon called "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God" mm-hmm. by Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Okay, try that sermon. Yeah. Uh, today, I mean, people were the, the Holy Spirit moved and during these sermons, so you know, people were holding on to pillars, afraid they were going to drop into mm-hmm. hell. Nobody talks about hell anymore. Yeah. You know, on TV, I heard, I heard uh, to his credit, a guy named Robert Morris. I don't know if you ever seen him on. Mm-mm. He's on TVN. Big church down in Texas, and so I was flipping through the channel. I, I, I'll stop at that station every once in a while because sometimes you hear mm-hmm. good stuff. So Robert Moore, he, he was preaching a sermon on hell. Hmm. Period. Nothing else. Just he didn't just mention it. A sermon on hell. Hmm. When I came into uh, uh, Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, conservative Baptist Christianity, and when I was eighteen, man, it was common. It was as as common as the air we breathe to hear sermons on hell or hell mentioned anyway, and hardcore preaching back then. Uh, but boy, everyone seems to just be afraid of it mm-hmm. now. You know, uh, you were our best life now. Well, that's uh, that's what's his name's book. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Osteen. Uh, Joel Osteen's <laughs> book, Best Life Now. Uh, I just can't think of a verse for that. No. Is there a verse that says, live your best life now? No. I mean, Jesus didn't live his best life. I mean, you know, he did, but he died on the cross, right? Well, we know what he means by best life, though. <laughs> that, means, that means you. That means yeah. it's all about, it's about me. You. Yeah. yeah. But that's what, that's what all these points are about that you, that you read in from this article. You know, the, the belief system of the millennials is, is not something that they just grabbed onto. It's something that was taught to them. It was taught to them, yes. Um, you know, Lincoln, I think it was, it said, you know, give me the education system and, and I can tell you what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the next generation. So um, speaking of education, there, there's a bill that passed. This is an amazing bill that did pass, did make it across, will likely be signed by the governor that just basically says that you can create any kind of school you want. Hmm. If you have, say, you know, the Leversey family, you have four youngins, you have how many still of school age? Three. Three. And do you say you got two or three families on the block that have youngins too and you want to create your own little school and hire your own little teacher? You can do that. Hmm. It's kind of a it's kind of a uh, homeschool on steroids. Well, you I'll know? tell you what that's going to do, and that I don't want to jump into, you know, far foot of where we're headed with our conversation. But that's going to help. You know, if we can pass stuff like that in West Virginia, that's going to help bring people to West Virginia. I mean, people are looking for for being able to have uh, the right 
to do what they feel they, that they need to do as parents with their kids. I mean, that's evident. That that's that I think is nationwide right now. You see an uprising yes. of parents nationwide saying, "I want to take control." of what uh, my children are taught. And, and it's because 43% of them don't believe in the golden rule yes. today, all yes. right? And we're just starting to figure this stuff out. Like, we are we are destroying our culture by what we're allowing our, t- our kids to learn. And what this is going to do in West Virginia is if we can keep getting some industry to come, we can attract more workers to the state, we can, we can offer high-quality opportunities for education where the parent is in control – this state's going to do really well in drawing people to it if we continue to, to pass legislation like that, I believe. Yeah, and we'll do a story here, um, maybe next segment, new data show the exodus from public schools is continuing. And and we're not taking a shot here at public school teachers or, or uh, you know, there's a lot of Christian folks in the public schools that are doing their best. Absolutely. But uh, we're talking about freedom here yep. and how we want our kids to be educated, and we have that right given to us by God. That's right. Right? So um, so let's just talk two minutes here, two, three minutes, on Ukraine and Russia. Um, and, and I thought you made an interesting point about how, boom, everyone's got a Ukrainian flag on the mm-hmm. lapel, and everyone's supposed to be pro-Ukraine. And, of course, we are, as we understand it. But uh, we're not sure what all's going on. Even Fox News had Tucker Carlson, I think, was talking about all these uh, all these labs, like 25 of them in Ukraine, that perhaps creating some kind of germ warfare or something to that effect. And I want to be careful what I say because I'm just going off by a foggy memory of a story I read several days ago. But but um, uh, we don't know really exactly what's going on there. Well, well the point is that. <laughs> We're not learning from the chaos that we're seeing around us. It seems like you get a narrative and somebody runs with it and you better jump on to what that narrative says and you better, you know, support the next flavor agenda of the month and and get 100% behind it without any information other than what some, you know, oligarchs of media say that that you have to believe. And and then all of a sudden Boy, that's that's the thing that we are the most behind. Well, I think we can get behind certain things. I certainly don't like seeing women and citizens and babies getting blown up and, and um, you know, uh, invading a, a sovereign nation based upon, you know, what? what, what what's the point? We don't know what's going on there 100%. But right. we've got missionaries in the area um, that we're supporting that are offering humanitarian aid to the multitudes of people that are leaving Ukraine right now and, and looking for opportunities to get them the gospel. And that's that's kind of the thing. That's a silver lining behind all this stuff that happens is what's meant for evil, God can turn for good and people can get saved through the process. But as far as just jumping on board with the whole idea that everything is is innocent in a, in a, in a situation without having good information about what's really going on, I, I'm real hesitant to do that anymore. I mean, it you just seems yeah. like there are agendas out there that, hey, you better get on board with this or or we're going to make you a villain. You know, you're a racist or you're anti-Ukrainian or you're anti... No, I'm not. I, I'm for people wherever they are knowing Jesus right. and not getting blown out of their socks, okay? Right. But I don't know everything that's going on in the situation. Yeah. So, uh, when, whenever you see, like you said, just this is this was like instantaneous. Everyone's got the Ukrainian mm-hmm. flag. The far yep. left is wearing it. Everybody yep. is, and we're all supposed to do that. And um, in the Senate, they passed it out uh, during session. I I wore it for a day, and then I started thinking. You know, look, like you said, um, you got you got 
people dying, and it, it's it's awful what's going on over there. But but I don't know exactly what's going on, and I didn't wear the flag. <laughs> I took it. I didn't wear it again, just because I don't know. And if I see leftists wearing the Ukrainian flag, then my antenna go way up. Mm-hmm. And we know, of course, that Putin is former evil. KGB. He's evil. He was part of the communist. Uh, you know the whole the whole communist system there in Russia from years ago, and he doesn't I have good intent. He doesn't have right. good intentions in this at right. all. Right, you can't be killing but, people. But this is and what I've and, and there is something that's really uh, that's really stirring from just a f- uh, on its face kind of viewpoint of you know a president of a nation staying in his war torn country battling again, you know, don't tread on me kind of an attitude. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for all of that if it's in the right place. But, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of corruption and different things that have gone on at the highest levels in that so whole area. Let's so. talk prophecy for yeah. a minute. And just from a superficial, because, you know, we yeah. don't know. Absolutely. But, but, but you've got Russia and China buddying up. And yeah. like you mentioned uh, off era, Iran yeah. starting to come into the picture. So what could what, what could possibly be going on well, here? Well, I think the indications of prophecy also talk about um, a lot of the uh, platform for even the Antichrist is going to come out of that old Roman Empire. And you see in a conflict like this, the galvanization of that old Roman Empire that's broken up into, you know, the prophetic sections that it talks about in the book of Revelation. And and you see that becoming empowered and, and kind of um, congealing again, so that the map really looks like the the prophetic map of the last days concerning, you know, what the governments are going to look like and what their disposition is going to be in the world. And And it just seems like whenever there's conflict in the Middle East or conflict in Europe right now, Everything seems to take that track of what what Bi- the Bible mentions in prophecy, mm. and, and that's reassuring. To, should be reassuring to all of us as believers that yeah. the Bible is true. Um, all of what it says concerning prophecy seems to line up every time there's conflict in this area, and I think these are precursors to what we're ultimately going to see as as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Yeah, and, and whenever there's chaos, we can know that uh, to use a cliche, it's God is in control of all of it. Right. Nothing. None of this chaos. It, uh, the, this doesn't these take pockets of chaos. Uh, it doesn't take God by surprise. God's got it all under control, and we can have faith and hope, mm-hmm. and even joy yeah, that God absolutely. is God is going to ultimately be the victor and overcome and destroy evil. Absolutely. So, all right. So we're out of time for this segment, and uh, next segment. Here's what I think we'll do. Um, I'm just it's kind of fluid here in the show. Uh, let's. Um, Oh, I thought I knew what I was going to do. Let's talk about it during the break. <laughs> <laughs> That's what breaks so, are for. <laughs> and so maybe we'll talk about uh, new data shows uh, the exodus from public schools is continuing. That's Here's a good one, too, here, Pastor. You'll like this. This is uh, Motherhood, What Women Really Want, Intellectual Takeout. Hmm. So maybe we'll do those, I always those like their too. stuff anyway. Let's see. Yeah, their stuff's great. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show with your host, State Senator Mike Aziger. Got my sidekick, my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Vienna. So we are 
Every week in the saddle here, we haven't been in the saddle for two months, except for the two months we were just gone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we're here every single week, no we matter, except for the two months. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just that little bit of time. Just a little bit of time. So I was in session for two months, and uh, pastor, so we can't do it during the week. And then um, we try to do it Saturday, but your Saturdays here at the church are just nuts. They were they were crazy at the beginning of the year. But so. a great blessing with uh, the Upward Sports Program. Oh, yeah. That was a big part of um, of what we were doing the beginning part of this year, and it was just tremendous. And I love how out. you say uh, the Upward Sports Program isn't about sports. It's about it's about evangelism and, and telling is. people about Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And, right. you know, even the Apostle Paul used athletics many times as a gateway for people to understand spiritual concepts. And I think when you get kids out on a court and they're in a process of learning, it's a great opportunity to infuse the truth of God's Word into that. And it's wonderful to see that truth take root in, in the kids' lives and, and, and in the families' lives. Yes. So. And and um, so I, I, I love the the whole the whole way it culminates in in uh you have a banquet and you give the gospel and how many people did you say raise their hand for salvation? I, there was about seven adults that did, a bunch of kids that did, three people who spoke to me about their decisions. So it was really, just really great to see. Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right. New data show the exodus from public schools is continuing. It's not just families fleeing district schools for the for other options. Teachers are leaving too. Now we're not taking uh, glee in in uh, um, any any type of of uh, you know teachers leaving and all that. We're just we do want to make a point though that teachers are leaving. Yeah, and I think it's a wake leaving. up call to the education system. There are good teachers out there, and I think there are even good schools out there that want to do the right thing by kids. But there needs to be a wake up call in education as a whole, with parents and with school systems. And the product that's being put out there in our culture today isn't cutting muster. It just isn't. And a big part of that is because we've allowed these socialistic agendas to infuse themselves into the school system to such a degree that education isn't education anymore. It's a bunch of agendas battling for our children, and our children are the ones that are losing that battle day in and day out. So this is a story by Carrie McDonald, K-E-R-R-Y. It's a gal. She's wonderful. If you ever read her stuff, but she writes for uh, FEE, F-E-E, which is an uh, educational organization. Uh, she's very, very bold and really good. But uh, So let's just read a little bit about this, see what she says. Uh, since 2020, COVID, maybe God sent COVID for mm-hmm. a bunch of reasons. Maybe this is one of them, to, to give families a choice, you know, we want God in education. Look, you know, God's, a, he, he's Lord of all. He's Lord of the harvest. He should be in everything. Yep. Of course he is. And he's in the war in Ukraine. God is there. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere. He's in control of everything. Yep. And uh, uh, we want our uh, kids educated knowing God, Yeah. right? Knowing God, God being central. So since 2020, more families have been fleeing local District schools for other options. Homeschooling rates doubled in that year alone, 2020, and remain high today. Home-based pandemic pods. These are these pod schools that are popping up. Mm -hmm. We just passed that bill. Talked about it last uh, segment. That uh, home-based pandemic pods. So these pods 
pop up during the pandemic. <laughs> a lot of bees That's a there. lot of bees. Thank you. I thought I did that uh, <laughs> rather well. Have evolved into established micro schools and co-op arrangements that have worked better for families than a conventional classroom. Mm. So you got the, the pods and the micro schools. These are all kind of the same thing, these co-op arrangements that parents want to do and should have a right to do. They have a God-given right to do, and it's happening. Um, Catholic schools, like other private schools, were more likely to remain open while district schools were closed and have experienced their first enrollment hike in two decades. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. More students are now learning in virtual schools and charter schools than they were pre-pandemic. Parents are recognizing that they have many more options for their children's education and are continuing to abandon government-assigned district schools. Mm. So uh, you send your kids to Caesar and you shouldn't be surprised they come back Romans, Mm -hmm. right? And we want our kids, uh, you know, we want our choice as to who teaches our kids. Mm -hmm. You know who taught kids most of the time, much of the time in uh, pre-America even? Preachers. Clergy. For a number of reasons. One, yeah. they would give a biblical worldview. Two, they were the most educated people uh, in 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 the United States. They yeah. went to schools. You know, all these all these schools that popped up were to train preachers. Harvard. That's what Harvard. Harvard. The first school was uh, was the land was given by uh, the Reverend John yeah. Harvard. It was it was to train preachers. University of Chicago in, in Chicago, obviously, was was popped up to train. Preachers to win the 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 people of that yep. area, the Indians and so on, and all these schools, all these yep. Ivy League schools. I think there's eight Ivy League schools. They they were all created. Princeton, which was a University of New Jersey at the beginning, was created to train preachers. Yep. They still have divinity schools at they these do. at these places. So. Um, Let's continue here for just a paragraph or two. Parents are recognizing that they have many more options for the children's children's education and are continuing to abandon government-assigned district schools. While it was understandable that parents might seek different learning settings for their children amidst 2020 school closures, new data suggests the exodus from district schools isn't letting up. So we have homeschooling. Doubling, tripling in the black community five times. Well, we've talked about it on the show. Five times the number of homeschoolers in the black communities than there were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is happening over and over. Minnesota Public Radio reported last week that statewide public school enrollment, uh, enrollment declined again this year on top of the previous pandemic year drop. Fewer Minnesota families chose homeschooling this year than last, but private schools in the state saw a nearly 6% increase in enrollment, according to the uh, Minnesota Public Radio. Wow. How about that? So it's on and on. Uh, There's a story from San Diego Union Tribune, so that's California. They're losing uh, public schools in that city are losing students at a faster pace than school le- leaders expected. Then uh, Michigan public school enrollment enrollment is down. Rhode Island, uh, larger cities such as New York City also continue to have dramatic enrollment declines. 
this year. Um, on top of previous enrollment loss, losses since the pandemic began, that city saw, New York City saw a 5% drop in district school enrollment this year for a cumulative 9%. Hmm. That's, that's, that's unreal. It is. 9% enrollment drop since the pandemic response began. So um, a lot of parents, I think, in these big cities are probably, you know, had no choice. And all of a sudden they learned they could do it. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, you're a homeschooling dad, your wife, homeschooled mm-hmm. all your kids. I mean, uh, I, I, my guess is you all had, had some doubts at the beginning. I, I don't know about it. I don't know how we could do this. Uh, but Well, I'll tell you, in, in uh, my wife would have no problem with me sharing this. It's not a situation of, oh, I'm a homeschool mom and this is my, my most favorite thing in the world to do is every aspect of educating my, my children in this manner. But yeah. yet it is a responsibility that falls to every parent regardless if they send their children to school or not. And what happened is is we found ourselves pressed into this paradigm where, okay, um, I'm going to send my kids off to school so that I can work and my, my spouse can work and we can build our life. And uh, I'm going to still keep track of what my kids are doing at school. I'm still, but you don't. And parents didn't. Mm. And they just turned their kids over to, and, and this is not good in anything that you do. I mean, you have to parent your children all the way through, regardless if you send your kids to school or you homeschool them. We're not heroes because we homeschool our kids and somebody else sends them to school. What you are as a parent is you need to be invested in your child's life wherever they're at so that you can raise them and train them and bring them up with the values that you know are important and still in their life. And if you're a Christian, that's the truth of God's word as well. But I think what we're going to see is you're going to see these numbers continue to decline because what's going to happen, it's going to partition the culture that takes takes place in school. Uh, people who are for some of the agendas and want their children to learn about transsexualism and gender identity issues and race, critical race issues, and they're wanting that to be fed to their children, that population is going to grow in these schools. It's going to become more and more evident that those are the agendas the schools want to push. And more people who don't want that are going to continue to pull their kids out of the schools. So you're going to see a segmentation, I think, of that continuing across the board mm-hmm. because it doesn't seem like like the agendas are letting up in the school systems a whole lot. Right. And there are a lot of parents that are, say, that are saying, hey, it's okay with me. Yeah. You know, yep. if you want to teach uh, uh, LGBTQ well, calls, or, or whatever. I get calls here. And I didn't think here I would. I didn't know much about the political landscape of West Virginia. But I came from Southern California. We all know the political landscape there. <laughs> right. And uh, I get calls just as frequently here of parents who have children who are confused by things at a young age, I'm talking nine, 10, 11 year old kids hmm. who are confused about their sexuality. I I was playing with GI Joes, man. I I, I it was not even approached. In, indoctrination. To me. There's like forty some percent. Of, but you can't of tell me this kids. isn't because of what they're learning and where they're learning right, it. They're right. not just coming up with this on their own. There's no there's no nine year old or eleven year old sitting at home thinking, I wonder what gender I am. Why are we even talking to kids this age about sex? Because we want to push them into the agenda that is being promoted concerning identity and sexuality, and the effacement of God's image. This is all about removing the image of God Hmm. from your children. And you kick God out of the school, and you confuse them about what God made them to be, and you've gone a long way toward down the road of this 43% or whatever that don't care about God, don't believe in God, and don't care about the golden rule. Yeah, and so many of these kids, are they're going to uh, accept it and and, 
make it part of their their whole worldview, well, their they pray, being. They They're pr- going to be on that side. They They're going pray, to be fighting us. They pray specifically on children with disabilities. They pray specifically on children who are from broken homes, which that is hmm. very frequent now. And so they struggle already with their identity because the nuclear family is all divided up. And they pray on them because they're giving them a heroic acceptance because they're bold enough to step out and go against the uh, natural order of things and say, I am and I feel this and I am my own God. Mm. And then they empower that where this kid doesn't have any other connection anywhere else to identity and they prey on that. And it's feeding itself because the more we disintegrate the nuclear family, the more children lack identity, the more they're going to gravitate toward this that's being put in front of them concerning genderism and identity issues and all of that. So yeah. it's just well. it's just a mess. Well, that's uh, very well said. Great analysis of, of, of what's going on there. I, you know, I think I, I hadn't really thought. Um, you know, I, I I think you know I sit in these committees down in Charleston, and and I I think uh, if 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 we just fix the family, there would none of this would be here. And you make the point about about how they prey on kids from broken homes mm-hmm. and, and uh, these kids that have certain what mental disabilities, mm-hmm. I guess, or whatever. Yep. And and that's how awful is that? That's just it's awful. And so you know, any child that feels displaced from a peer group because um, they have a tough tough time identifying. You know, you used to have, when you go to high school, you asked, used to have your different segments of, of culture. You know, you had your preppies and you had your mm-hmm. cowboys and you had your, you know, goth and you had your... And so this is a this is an arena. We took God out of it. So everybody's got to find this little identity, you know. There, you can't mm-hmm. talk about God and creation and how God made you valuable no matter what, you know, is going on in your life. And he's got a plan for you. So now you see these segments. And now one of the segments is the LTGBQ issue. And if you run to that, you're automatically a hero. You're automatically accepted in this, you know, almost euphoric manner, almost this unreasonable manner. Mm-hmm. Like, like coming out of the closet has become such a trend. You've got nine-year-olds doing it now because of the attention that they're able to garner where they're lacking it because of the difficulties that's going on in their own home or, or in their own lives personally. Yeah, speaking of attention, I, we'll get to go here, but uh, I remember hearing the story of this little boy who started identifying as a girl, and the reason uh, he did it, he ended up saying, look, my sister was getting more attention (laughs) than I was, so I thought the way to get attention would be to be like a girl. He Mm -hmm. wouldn't, you know, it's just, it's an evil thing. All right, so we are out of time for this segment. We're going to do our our worldwide famous etiquette uh, segment (laughs) next. Do not go away. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. We appreciate you tuning in, folks. We've been gone for a while, a couple months. Um, really, we haven't. We did one show in the last two months, yeah. and we apologize for that. But we're back in the saddle, and uh, we should be doing a show every week. Sometimes we can't, but uh, but the uh, plan is from here on out, at least till next session. That's right. Lord willing, if we live that long. And uh, so we're going to do our etiquette seg- uh, segment, which, of course, is, has gained worldwide attention, <laughs> we believe. We're not, we can't confirm that. I feel it, though. I feel it. Yeah. We think so. So we, uh, we, were, we did a segment on tipping. Yes. 
And we gave our Brought own great thoughts. great stress to my mind. I <laughs> never know what to do in these uh, situations. No, right. I need guidance. So 15% was always the yeah, standard right. tip. You doubled the tax. You remember that? No, I don't. I, that was a, the easy formula because, whoa, it's taxes like 7% or whatever, 7 point yeah, whatever yeah. percent. So you basically double the tax and add, you know, whatever. So I do 20% no matter oh, what. Oh, yeah, me too. And, uh, occasionally yeah. I'll do 25 or 30. Yeah. Um, but I find most waiters, waitresses are nice. Yes. And most of them do a good job. I agree. Job. I agree. So um, I'm not, and my wife. And I have a lot of patience too for it. I don't know. I, I just do. I, I do. do. I don't get mad at waitresses. Wait. And my wife waited at uh, Outback many years ago, and she'd come home and tell me horror stories. Stories. Yep. So, it's so not I an easy did. job. Yeah. All right. So traveling. This is some guidance from our book, "The Art of Manliness," by Brett and Kate McKay. Traveling, housekeeping at the hotel. A good tip for housekeeping is between two to five dollars per night. I tip. Zero. Uh, <laughs> tour guide. I don't tip housekeepers. <laughs> tour guide. Tip between $1 to $5 per person in your group. Skycap or bellhop. $1 to $2 per bag they lug for you. I usually give I have a bit, one big bag, and I give 5 bucks. That's good. That's pretty good. If you're running late. I'll carry your bag. <laughs> <laughs> I need a resume. You know, <laughs> all right. Have, I'll submit all that. I'll have to have sources. Back doorman. Back. Only tip the doorman as a hotel at a hotel if he gives you a hot tip on the best places to eat or visit while in town. Oh. Okay. So you don't tip the doorman, apparently. See, I thought Part- that was a concierge anyway. I don't know. Uh, so you use these big words and concierge. Oh, <laughs> uh, personal services. Here we go. Barber. Tip fifteen percent of the cost of the haircut. I do that. I tip more than thirty percent. Yep. yep. Haircut's fifteen. I give him twenty. Yep. Barbers, uh, you know, they're uh, they're good. Yeah, they most are. of the time. Sometimes, yep. most of the time, I go to a lady. I used to always go to Man Barber. I need to get back to that. Barista, smoothie maker, ice cream scooper. Spare change is always appreciated. <laughs> so he's not real big on tipping yep. that group of people. Let's see if we can get one or two more in here. Takeout. Yeah. What okay, do you do with so, that? Yeah, so that's like one of those nebulous, murky not ones. Serving your table, but you so. always have the. See, they always put that. Put the yeah, tip they in do. Thing they that, do. And, uh, that's that's hard to it's a guilt thing. Yeah. They, they're is. smart. If you undertake or, or if you order takeout from a restaurant, make sure to tip the cashier a bit. While they weren't waiting on you hand and foot, they did have to work hard to get your order together and ready if they help okay. you take the I order. I can understand that. Okay, I understand so I bit, tip takeout uh two to five bucks. Yeah. Yep. Depending on Depending the on, and and the order, the size of the order, and what yeah, I feel like there you go. Put together. The size yeah. of the order. But I want to mention this, and it may blow the rest of what we can get to out of the water. But I think it has to be said. I hate it when they uh, want money for a cause, and you've gone there and you've ordered your food or your sandwich, and very loudly they say, "Can we round that up for you for the children at the hospital?" Oh my goodness. I said no yesterday to that oh, very thing. Oh, man, it burns me it drives up. me insane. I, I have my charities. I know what yeah. I research out when I give to you, and I don't want to be put on the spot in a line, right. a food line yeah. of Leave are you going to do Let this. Let me get my food. That's right. And um, 
I'll give I'll give to whom I want That's to give. Right. Car washer, three bucks is good for a basic car wash. If they take extra time when detailing it, uh, give ten percent for that. Garage parking, two dollars for your car when you uh, valet park. Tip the person who brings you the car. All right, we're out of time. <laughs> you just showed me the clock. We're way out of time. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll have more tip advice next week. God bless you. Have a great day.